Welcome to the Face Yoga Expert podcast. Coming up. Habits are a really big part of this and changing your rituals, changing what you normally do and just pushing yourself out of that comfort zone. It's hard, I know, but it's, it's really worth focusing on and spending some time on. I'm your host, Danielle Collins, and I'm the world-leading face yoga expert, best-selling author of the book, Danielle Collins Face Yoga, and creator of the international teacher training program, the Danielle Collins Face Yoga Method. 17 years ago, I healed myself from chronic illness, and I've spent the last 15 years teaching, sharing, and serving millions of people in person, on TV, and online to help them look and feel the best version of themselves. This podcast is about giving you simple, effective, natural tips and advice and sharing knowledge and insight from industry experts. If you have a friend who you think would enjoy this podcast, please share it on social media as it means so much if you took a moment to rate and review this podcast as it allows more people to feel healthier and happier naturally. And lastly, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. This is the Face Yoga Expert Podcast. Hi, how are you doing? So I've got a lovely guest this week and we're talking nutrition and food again. I know it's a topic that you guys absolutely love and I love talking about it as well. So my guest is May Simkin and she is a nutritionist. She's got a master's in nutrition. She's very, very experienced in her field. She does a lot of work in the nutrition world. So I knew she'd be a really great guest to have on and to talk to. And we talk a lot about sugar, the damage of sugar on our face, on our minds and our body. So in many ways, we talk about what we all know, which is we shouldn't be eating as much sugar. But I feel like this episode helps us understand why a little bit better and hopefully will give some of us, if not all of us, motivation to start reducing our sugar intake. May also talks about the top five foods for healthy skin, which is going to help our skin look glowing and youthful, but also how this is going to help our mind and our body as well. And we delve into the importance of adding lots of variety into our diet, adding those colourful foods in. So really great informative episode, which I'm super excited for you to listen to. And before we get into that. I just wanted to remind you, if you didn't already know, that I now have a blog. So the Face Yoga Expert blog. So this blog gets into really similar things that we talk about here on the podcast, but it means you can just read this, you can just consume it in a different way. It's a great way to get tips on everything from face yoga to facial tools to wellness. And I really delve in a little bit deeper into some topics that I know you guys are super interested in when it comes to the face, the mind and the body. So if you'd like to read my blog and by the time this episode comes out, there should be at least six blogs there for you to read. Just head to my website, which is faceyogaexpert.com slash F-Y-E, so that sounds for Face Yoga Expert, dash blog. So it's faceyogaexpert.com slash F-Y-E dash blog. So I will also put this in the show notes for you so you can just click straight through and go there. So let's head into this week's episode with the very lovely and the very knowledgeable May Simkin. Hi May, how are you doing? A warm welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks, Danielle. Lovely to be here. 
It's so lovely to have you here. And I've got so many questions for you. And where I wanted to start really was where I very often start in my podcast, which is right at the beginning and your journey into nutrition. I know that you very much grew up in a household that loved food and that was very much part of your culture. So I'm guessing that's where it all started. That's certainly where um, where I suppose it did start. I mean, yes, I'm Egyptian origin. So mm-hmm. in any Egyptian household, food is a huge thing. And yes, I mean, there was always food, lots of it. I was encouraged to eat a lot and ended up sort of as a teenager, I suppose, with a bit of a weight issue, although, you know, I was on endless diets, but I don't remember it being a big thing until I left home and went to university and just thought, actually, I really do want to lose some weight. And I did it the, what I would now call the really unhealthy way. I basically just lived off popcorn and probably, you know, typical sort of student life. And yes, I did lose the weight, but I didn't really give it much thought. And it's only fast forward, maybe, you know, a few years later when I got married, I had children and I just thought, you know, I'm really interested in food. I'm really interested in my health. I think when you have children, it suddenly brings it to the foreground and you just think, well, I want to do the best I can for myself, for my family. So I started learning, started delving a bit deeper and then felt that I wanted to go back to studying. And I think as an adult, when you take that decision to go back to studying, you're in this lovely situation where you can think, well, you know what, I can choose whatever I want. So what am I actually interested in? And it was food, it was nutrition, it was health, but I never in a million years thought I would end up studying. You know, I started off going back to college doing anatomy and physiology, literally learning about how the body works, what's going on within the body, until I eventually, sort of six years later, qualified with a master's in personalized nutrition. But I never imagined that would be the path. And it's really just born out of a real deep interest in how food affects the way you feel and the way you look. And that's a big thing for me. So I suppose that's my journey. There was no big sort of getting sick and healing or anything like that, which I know is is sort of quite familiar with a lot of nutritionists. No, nope, I just love, love the idea of knowing what's going on and doing the best I can for my body. That's a great story. And was it during that time of your study and learning about everything that you started to change your own habits? Because you said, obviously, you went through that sort of little bit of a weight loss journey um, whilst you were a student, but it wasn't necessarily the healthiest way to do it. Was it when you started to learn more in order to help other people that you then changed the way that you eat and your own lifestyle? Absolutely, without doubt. I mean, you know, I've never been a purist. So I've never been one of these people that were, you know, won't touch sugar, won't touch desserts and that sort of thing. But when you start studying at a deeper level and you really understand what's going on in your body and you understand the links between eating those types of food and the symptoms you're getting and how you're feeling and how that manifests itself it, you you have to change the way you eat because you know you you actually just want to feel and look amazing and you know how to do it when you've studied so yes i mean definitely i started changing what i would certainly give to my children's eating 
eating, what we do as a family, but always real food, nothing weird, nothing odd, just going back to cooking from scratch, eating real food, proper sort of wholesome meals that really nurture and nourish. So, you know, I'm very much a believer in eating real food and it has to be practical, has to be quick, has to be easy because otherwise it's not sustainable. And that for me is key. It has to be sustainable and what you do just as part of normal day-to-day living. Nothing strange, nothing odd. Absolutely. Because it completely makes sense. And I think just having that very much back to basics approach is so, so important because we live so much in a society that focuses on these quick fixes and these fad diets and about what can we do to look good and feel good now, but without thinking long term, is this sustainable? Totally. Is this something we can just integrate into our day-to-day life and it's part of us? And I love the fact that you are talking about that long-term sustainability and just eating real good food because it doesn't need to be really complicated. And actually, as soon as we do complicate it, we start to go down the process route, which has all sorts of problems, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, I mean, don't get me started there, but absolutely. Um, you know, it's it's more complicated and your life becomes more stressful, despite the fact that ironically, you know, you're, you're almost trying to simplify your life by opting for, you know, perhaps ready-made or, you know, packaged foods, but you're compromising so much. And if you have an idea of how to get started and how to go about eating well, it really is very simple. And I often talk about it being more a case of food combinations. So just combining great healthy ingredients and you don't even have to, you know, elaborately cook them. It's just a question of eating good foods and eating the right foods that help you feel amazing and help you really, really feel great in life day to day. Definitely. And do you have any sort of go-to dishes, any things that you enjoy cooking for you and for your family, just on a personal level, really? Well, it always depends. So, you know, I think as with most of us, family life can change. So my children are older now. So actually, I very often find myself just eating on my own, you know, if my husband's out or, you know, the kids are not back. So it's really sort of thinking about what fits in with your lifestyle. But there is one key thing that is always at the forefront of my mind. And I think having that at the forefront of my mind almost makes my decision making a little bit easier. And that is to add color to my food choices. So what can I eat? What can I choose that will add color? And therefore, I'm adding nutrients. If I'm adding color, I'm inevitably going to have to be eating more vegetables, more fruits. And if I'm doing that, I'm going to start reaching, in my opinion, between seven to eight portions a day. I I aim for 10 on the basis that I'll end up eating about seven or eight portions. Now, that doesn't have to be seven or eight huge portions of of vegetables and fruits, but they do have to be different, but they can just be a small handful. And it's a question of increasing fiber. So sometimes it's not even fruits and vegetables as we know them. It can be something like some beans and pulses or some nuts, a small handful, and that counts. So I think if you have that in mind of trying to increase your 
intake of fruits and vegetables by adding color to every meal choice and every food choice, you're slowly going to notch up that number and you're going to start eating a little bit more healthy. So in answer to your question, is are there any go-tos? I suppose I have to say it's vegetables. It's, you know, as a whole food group, which sounds bizarre, but it's really it sort of gives me a lot of scope that way. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> Definitely. And I think that that is for all of us. If we can increase our vegetable intake, then we're doing so much for our health. And I love that you're bringing in those other plant-based foods, the nuts, the seeds, the beans, the pulses, the legumes, all of these things that we often forget. We think that it's all about the kale and the spinach, but our body actually thrives so much when we have that variety. And I think variety is key. I mean, I know as a mum of two little girls, one that's four, one that's nearly eight, you know, they have their go-to vegetables that they'll eat and their go-to fruit. And it's so easy for me as a mum to be, okay, well, let's give them those because I'll know they eat them. But I have to remind myself all the time and not only for them, but also for me as well to try new things and bring in that variety because I think all of us, you know, even as adults, even as individuals, we can get stuck into ordering the same things in our, our shop every week. And then we end up eating the same vegetables or the same fruit. And we're thinking we're being healthy. And yes, we are. But we're lacking that variety often. And I think that that is such a good tip thinking about variety. So, so important. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I see so often when I see clients on a private basis, they, I ask them to complete a food diary. You would be amazed how many eat exactly the same food every day. And, you know, if you're going to introduce variety, you are automatically going to be introducing new nutrients. All foods have different combinations of nutrients. And it's that combination and that differing variety that you are looking for. I think just going back to your point with children, children are another breed. I I mean, you know, it's so hard. (laughs) It is. And I I really hear you when you're saying that, you know, your girls will, will, you know, it's so much easier just to give them what you know they will eat for an easy life. And also you want to make sure they have that good food. So one of the things I would just advise you to do is Certainly give them those foods they like, because at the end of the day, you want them to be eating it. But never, ever forget to keep nudging them into trying new foods. And as a mom, we have to be so thick skinned. We have to sort of accept the fact that they're going to turn their nose up, you know, make all sorts of horrible noises and faces. But you almost have to be thick skinned and think, well, I know you did all that yesterday, but here it is again today. And I don't know if you've noticed, and I'm sure you have, that you know, children are so fickle. So they can go for weeks and weeks and weeks of eating something and absolutely loving it. And it's their go to. And then one day they wake up and go, I don't like that and go, but you've eaten it for so long. I know. Um, And I always say the reverse is also true. So things that they've just never considered would never touch. One day they'll pick it up off your plate pick it up off the table because you've, you're still serving it. And, you know, they'll go, oh, I like this. And you think, well, hang on a minute. You never used to eat that. And 
So it's really worth just persevering and continuing with introducing variety because you're adjusting their taste buds and also developing their taste buds, which is a huge gift you can give them as they come into becoming adults. So um, You're so right. That's so true. And it's funny because I know this, but it is so easy with life to not do that. I did something, I think about a year ago, where we did a fun little thing called fruit of the day. So each day I would show them a different fruit that they'd not tried we'd work out where's this fruit come from you know which country or is it uk we'd open it what color do we think it's going to be inside and honestly it amazed me so much how they tasted all these different fruits that they would have never done before because I made this fun, exciting thing out Amazing. of it. Amazing, yeah. And then isn't it so funny how life just sort of gets in the way and you forget they were eating all of these different fruits that week and then I go back yeah. to their five yeah. fruits I know that they will eat, you know, that they've eaten for years. So I think it is, it is that perseverance. Yeah. And I think as a mother, definitely, but I think for anyone listening to this that isn't a parent, actually that's the same for us as adults really on a personal level yeah it actually goes back to shopping believe it or not I mean shopping is the starting point and I know people have very different ways of meal planning and shopping but what I always like to suggest is just go with what's screaming at you in the supermarkets perhaps there's something on special offer and it's right there at the front as you walk in perhaps there's something new that that um you know catches your eye rather than having a plan for that just pick it up bring it home and work out how you're going to use it and i think that way you're pushing yourself out of your comfort zone but without all the sort of big research and planning that you might normally so you know associate so perhaps for that week that you were doing your fruit challenge almost there was probably a lot of planning going on on your part which is lovely but like you say that's not sustainable but what is sustainable is to suddenly see a different fruit grab it and think you know what I'm throwing that on the dinner table this evening and let's just see what happens and I think that way it's less pressure and it's more doable and I think if anything is more doable it's just going to happen much more easily with less stress and that's really what it's all about it's just making life a little bit easier we've got enough stresses going on rather than sort of what are we going to eat as well. (laughs) Absolutely, particularly in 2020. But I love that idea. I love that idea of just grabbing something at the supermarket or if you're doing an online shop, just think, oh, actually, what do I fancy just adding into the trolley, not making it a big thing, but trying to make it a habit. And I think that's the other thing. When we start actually consciously doing something for a few days, or as we know with with habits, it it takes a, a few weeks, almost a month, it then can become a habit for life, but it is just getting through, isn't it? Getting through those first few days or weeks of those new habits. Because yeah. I think and it we just co- becomes the way you shop. That's it does. just the way you shop. That's yeah. it. And then all of a sudden you've always got new things and you're always trying new things. So yeah, I agree. I mean, yeah, habits are a really big part of this and changing your rituals, changing what you normally do and just pushing yourself out of that comfort zone. It's hard, I know, but it's it's really worth focusing on and spending some time on. Absolutely. Nothing more important than our health. And on that note, I want to still stay on the the health side of things and the wellness, but I want to slightly talk a little bit more about the skin 
and the face and what we can do from the inside out because something which I'm hugely passionate about is wellness and beauty from the inside out. So what can we do to really nourish ourselves on the inside but then in turn this is going to help us look and feel great on the outside and of course the inside oh, too. Oh well you're really so, talking absolutely you're, <laughs> you're really talking my language here because right. that is Exactly um, my approach. I wholeheartedly believe that if you can nurture yourself from within, it will manifest itself, you know, outwardly in your looks, but not only physical looks, but just how you are. And I think that's a big part of how you portray yourself. So if you're energized, you will feel great, you will act great. And it will then start breeding on yourself. And food and a healthy diet is a really key part of that. You'd be amazed how a diet that isn't so great and isn't healthy can drag you down and pull you down. And as busy people, you have to keep going. You can't suddenly just collapse on the sofa and, you know, and just not get going for the day. And you will, you will get going, but it will be a lot harder. It's so much easier if you are genuinely feeling energized, feeling revived, feeling rejuvenated. And the food you eat is directly connected to that. And one of the big things, I'm sure you're not going to be surprised to hear me saying this, is sugar and mm -hmm. processed foods. I mean, I know we hear it a lot, but I think if people understand what sugar is actually doing, and it's twofold going back to the energy levels, you do feel energized as soon as you've had something that's high sugar, but it's a very short-term energy boost. So if you eat a chocolate bar, for example, you do eat it and your digestive system will just say, thank you very much. I don't need to do very much because actually the processing has done most of it. There's no fiber to break down. There's nothing to break down. Great. I can just simply release all that sugar into the bloodstream. And it does so almost immediately. And of course, what happens is you feel great. And you'll be saying to yourself things like, gosh, I really needed that. I really felt low. I really needed that boost. Uh, but that will be short-lived. 10, 15 minutes later, your body will say, you know what? I can't have thick, gloopy, sticky blood for want of another expression. And so it will release insulin, which is the hormone that removes blood sugars. So it'll release a high level of insulin from the pancreas and all that sugar or a lot of that sugar will be removed from the blood. And it will be removed almost as quickly as it was released. So what happens is you end up with very low blood sugar because, you know, the insulin has done a great job and it's, re been re it's removed the sugar from your blood. You end up with very low blood sugar. And what happens then? You don't feel amazing. You feel lethargic. You feel tired. You feel a bit sleepy because you've got no sugar in your blood that you can use for energy so then you're on this cycle again so you feel low you feel lethargic you feel tired and you think gosh I need a boost and you then might have I don't know maybe another piece of chocolate or a coffee or a muffin or something else and you can see how very easily that cycle can be repeated throughout the day and you're on this blood sugar surge followed by crash surge crash surge crash and that makes your day very hard to deal with so that's really where sugar will affect your energy levels, but it also affects the cells in your body and they almost become crystallized. 
And then that's going to manifest itself on how you look. So skin that has a lot of sugar doesn't look as vibrant as skin that isn't having that effect. And, you know, skin that has an input of plenty of good vitamins and good nutrients will look different. It will look vibrant compared to skin that doesn't. So you can see how eating a great diet, reducing sugars, reducing processed foods, which are void of those nutrients, will have an effect on the way you look and feel. Completely. And from a personal point of view, last week, I ate so much more sugar than I usually did. And everything was different. I wasn't sleeping as well. I had a day where I had such a bad dip in mood, which I don't normally get, you know, unless it's hormonal, but it wasn't hormone related. I now and I've still got two big spots that came up on my face. And I thought, oh, my goodness, I have been eating this week far more sugar than I ever would. So this weekend, all I've had is just each day a square of 85% cocoa dark chocolate, nothing else. And it's interesting, you realise how even within a week, you can get so addicted to sugar because your energy then, when you do come off it, like I have this weekend, you feel exhausted and you think, oh my goodness, it is an addiction. And you also are constantly craving it and you constantly try and justify to yourself in your head, oh, it's not that bad. I might just have a little bit of sugar. A little bit of cake won't hurt me. And then it's so easy to jump back on that again and then get back in in that whole sort of circle you were talking about, about how it go, your energy starts to go up, you feel better. Oh, I needed that. And then your energy goes down or you start to feel just those low level symptoms in health, energy, moods, skin and then it all starts again but just coming off it and going through those difficult few days or sometimes weeks is hard and I think that's something which is so important to just let everybody listening know that actually if you do want to start to reduce your sugar and we're not saying by any means to cut out everything because neither of us are about that we need sugar for energy we do absolutely we need it balanced and we need it in combination with other foods and just I want to just touch on the the fact that you mentioned um, spots, because mm. of course, you know, that's not something any of us want. You know, we want to look great and that affects our mood and our self-esteem and how we feel. Now, sugar is inflammatory. So that response that you have when you're eating sugar is an inflammatory response. And that can manifest itself in so many ways. So what what people don't realize is that it, it can also manifest an inflammatory response within the body. So you don't see it but it's causing havoc. What you do see is when it manifests itself on the outside of the body in the form of spots or rashes or something like that, where it's a bit more obvious. But if you imagine also that that's going on internally, you can see how eating too much sugar is really gonna start playing havoc with your overall health. Because if inflammation is out of control, then we start getting into the realm of further health issues that it's not an immediate thing but over time can develop into bigger issues like for example diabetes or you know blood pressure issues cholesterol issues um heart issues it can manifest itself in so many different ways depending on your overall health and whether any weaknesses and that's something we want to avoid and it's very easy to avoid if we can just put a halt on the amount of refined sugar and processed foods we eat and swap in much healthier 
you know, whole foods, real foods instead. And that can make a big, big difference. Definitely. And so many people I've worked with over the years, so many clients shy away from fruit because of sugar content, even if they're not avoiding the processed sugar. Many of them say, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't eat um, fruit. It's such high sugar content or does this or that. But I'm personally a real fan of fruit. It's natural. It's um, it's plant based. It's packed full of nutrients. And if the choice is to have a piece of cake or to have a bowl of raspberries, go for the bowl of raspberries every single time. Um, yeah. Would you agree with that? I mean, obviously, we know that fruit does have a sugar content, but we shouldn't yes. avoid it, should we? We shouldn't no, avoid it. It's no. such an important part of our diet. And actually, it's a great alternative if you are getting that little bit of a sugar craving to have a bit of fruit. And you can balance that out by having maybe a few nuts with it, can't you? Something which is not going to make your blood sugar levels spike so quickly. Yeah, I mean, I mean I'm so happy that you brought this up because it's a really, really important thing to think about. You're not wrong. Fruit is high in sugar. Now, I know it's high in natural sugar. That doesn't make any difference. It is still sugar. All sugars are the same, by the way. It doesn't matter what they're called. They are essentially sugars. It's a question of how complex they are and what they're combined with and how quickly they release into the bloodstream. But at the end of the day, they get broken down and eventually we end up with glucose, which is the most simple form of sugar. And fruit will contain sugars that will be broken down and released into the bloodstream. But the big thing is that two things. First of all, as I mentioned, we do need sugar. Without sugar, we will not be able to create energy. Without glucose, we can't make energy. So if you're going to eat something that gives you energy, absolutely choose something where you're also getting so many nutrients and also fiber. Fiber is important as well. And I'll come on to fiber separately. But you're eating fruit, which is nutrient dense and also is giving you that sugar element. But as a result of the content of sugar or because it has such high content, when I say aim for seven portions of fruits and vegetables a day, I actually do limit fruit to two portions. So on a personal level, I tend to eat fruit either at breakfast, if I'm eating breakfast, or my classic time is mid-afternoon. You know that four o'clock slump where mm -hmm. you just feel as though I need something. That's when I would have fruit. And I do exactly as you suggest, combine it with a very small handful of nuts because the protein from the nuts and the fiber from the nuts is going to slow down that release. So I still get the hit of sugar, but it's not an instant hit. So actually I can benefit from the sugar in the fruit much more gradually and I'm not going to come crashing down immediately afterwards. And um, sometimes I know parents will often give, you know, banana or, or pineapple or mango or melon, which are all quite high sugar fruits to kids at the end of the day, you know, when they pick them up from school, which is great because they are waning and they need that sugar fix. But I would always think about what you can combine with that so that you can balance that release of sugar a bit better. 
Definitely. I think that that's such good tips. And the added bonus you're getting if you are having those little bits of fruit at four o'clock is you're getting those nutrients as well. You're getting those vitamins, you're getting those minerals, which are going to help our body. They're going to help our skin. They're going to help our mind. Um, We can never underestimate how many nutrients are in those vegetables and in those fruits when we compare it to those processed foods, which are almost void of nutrients in many ways. I mean, and just are, are they're a short-term fix and if super short-term often, you know, that, that fix can only maybe benefit us with that energy boost for 10 minutes and then that's it. So it's in the long term, it's it's sort of really not worth it. Well, my sort of um, second to last question would be about the foods that we can eat. So I'd like that ideally to be related, if possible, to helping our skin, but also just what will help nourish our mind and body as well. So if you were to say five foods that you would recommend almost everybody, and I say almost everybody because there's always exceptions to the rule, almost everybody to eat and to increase in their diet and into their day, what would they be? Okay, so one of the key factors that we need to increase is fiber. So I touched on it when we're eating fruits, but of course, vegetables are a brilliant source of fiber. And also those pulses that I mentioned. So kidney beans, chickpeas, lentils, that whole family of legumes have got great fiber. When you're eating fiber, that helps to remove any nasties in your body that need to be removed and it physically removes them. So for example, used up hormones, extra cholesterol that we don't need or bad cholesterol that we, the body doesn't want so much of attaches to fiber. And then that fiber then passes through the whole system where it's detoxified and excreted naturally. So if you think about it, if you're giving your body that vehicle to remove the nasties, those nasties are no longer present in your body and that will manifest itself on your skin because you're not going to be appearing to have dull skin, certainly, you know, um, spots and pimples. And you're just going to look a little bit more vibrant because you haven't got all those nasties swimming around in your blood because the fiber has removed them. So if we're looking to increase our vegetables and fruits, we're naturally going to be increasing fiber. So that's another reason that we want to be increasing our fruits and vegetables. But specific foods, and we haven't touched on this yet, but these are good fats. These are crucial for good skin. So good fats are um, omega-3s. And it's a question of ratio between omega-3s and omega-6s. So omega-6s are not bad fats, but it's actually the ratio between 3s and 6s that's important. And we don't eat enough omega-3s. So omega-3s you'll find in foods like avocados and walnuts and chia seeds. And we need to eat more of those so that we can have a better ratio between the good fats and I suppose the bad fats, but it's really specifically between the omega-3s and omega-6s. If we've got too many omega-6s, that can have an inflammatory response, which we don't want when it comes to skin health or overall health. So I would suggest certainly thinking about eating avocados, walnuts, and, you know, olive oil as well, good quality olive oil. But generally, believe it or not, increasing the amount of fat that we eat. So we need fat for our skin health in general, because all our cells, 
the cell membrane is made of fat. And if that integrity of the cell membrane isn't good, that will also show up on our skin health. But if you think about it, our body is made up of cells all over. So that integrity of the cell membrane is crucial. So increasing your fat, so a drizzle of olive oil over a salad, over a soup. Don't worry about butter, butter is good. Don't eat any low fat spreads or anything else. You really go back to natural foods that are going to give you those good fats that we need. So we're, we're, we're talking fiber, omega-3s in terms of walnuts and avocados. And then the other thing is specific nutrients that are antioxidants. So antioxidants will fight against the effects of stress. And remember, it's not just stress externally. It's, you know, and that's to do with emotional stress. I'm also talking about things like pollutants. So maybe the atmosphere and when you're out and about in a busy city, for example, but also stress internally if your body is out of balance and out of kilter. So it's overall stress and it's antioxidants that will deal with the effects of stress. So eating those brightly colored fruits and vegetables, and I love to think of them as they're brightly colored because they're saying to you, they're screaming out at you saying, look at me, don't ignore me, grab me, eat me. <laughs> you know, when you've got that going on, you're eating great antioxidants. Um, and there are three specific antioxidant vitamins that are worth bearing in mind. Vitamin A, vitamin C, vitamin E. I remember them as ACE. And if you're eating those vitamins, then those are really powerful antioxidant vitamins that are going to help help mitigate against the effects of stress. So vitamin A, you will get in foods that contain beta carotene. So it's those orange foods, those really dark reds, dark oranges, like red peppers, oranges, pumpkins, sweet potato, anything that, and, and carrots, of course, they're, they're great for vitamin A. Vitamin C is not only your classic citrus fruits, which I know most people are familiar with, it's those dark green vegetables kales, cabbage, broccoli, green beans, spinach, all those foods that are rich and dark green, rocket, watercress, you know, all those foods are really packed with vitamin C, as well as the citrus fruits that we're more familiar with. And then vitamin E is really a great one that you will get when you're eating nuts, but particularly almonds, they are very rich in vitamin E. So you can already see how we're, we're still going back to that great overall diet and really increasing variety. And you're just naturally going to increase your fiber, increase your natural fats, increase your antioxidant vitamins, and therefore increase your overall intake of great nutrients, vitamins and minerals. That's great. And as you're saying this, I'm planning my dinner, my family's dinner tomorrow, my Fantastic. shopping list. <laughs> it's great. I, I mean, it's all things. Yeah, oily fish are an amazing mm -hmm. source of good fat. So, you know, when I'm talking about avocados and walnuts, I also would love to include oily fish. So sardines, mackerel, tuna needs to be fresh tuna. So unfortunately, you know, again, when it's been processed, a lot of the good fats have been removed. It's a great protein but when we're looking at fat content it's really those oily varieties sardines tin sardines amazing and I've got a fantastic um, healthy French sardine pate recipe on my website that is incredibly popular even for those me included who actually 
couldn't really eat sardines straight out of a tin. But once you're combining them with a little bit of butter and a little bit of mustard and a few other bits and pieces, it's an incredible way to eat sardines. So I definitely advise you to try and increase, you know, tin sardines for the good beneficial fat content. That's great. And what I would like to just finish with, and that just sort of ties everything together we've we've talked about, is from a personal and professional point of view, what your top tip for wellness and inner peace is? And it doesn't have to be food related. It can be anything. I think I would have to say it is exercise. But exercise doesn't need to be in the form of, you know, going to a gym and getting hot and sweaty and red faced and all of that sort of extreme exercise. It's actually simply increasing your levels of activity. And by that, I mean, you know, yes, if you can go out and get fresh air and sunlight and daylight every day, even if it's just for five, 10 minutes, it will make a huge difference difference. And sometimes I know the weather isn't great. It's just a question of wrapping up warm, putting a hood on and just going out and being out in nature. And if you really, really can't face going out, then it's just being generally active within the home. And you know, the good news, things like housework counts, but of course you can, you know, do an online video of yoga and relaxation, but it's generally moving your body. And if you think about what's happening when you actually move your body, you're moving everything around. That blood is getting to the parts that aren't always reached. If you're getting that blood to those parts, you're delivering nutrients. If you deliver nutrients to those parts, they can work efficiently. If everything is working efficiently, you will feel amazing. So I think exercise, activity, getting outdoors, getting fresh air are probably the key things as well as a healthy diet. Absolutely. I am on board with that 100%. (laughs) And May, if people want to get in contact with you, if they want to learn more about what you offer and to know more about your wonderful recipes as well, where can they do that? Oh, thank you. So um, my website, maysimpkin.com, has all sorts on there, lots of blogs, loads of recipes. I also have a membership community called Thrive, and it basically takes you up to that next level where I do include everything I believe you need to truly, truly thrive. So exercise, learning, connecting people, delivering, you know, people in my network who I feel can add value to your life. And of course, recipes and videos so you can actually practically eat well. But my Instagram is actually where I put a lot of my day-to-day food choices, you know, literally what do I eat? And that's May Simpkin Nutrition. So I'd love um, to see everybody there and we'll find a way of connecting. But if nothing else, I hope I can inspire and motivate a few great choices. May, that's absolutely wonderful. I know you've definitely motivated, inspired lots of people, including me today. So thank you so, so much for being a guest on the Face Yoga Expert podcast. Thank you so much, Danielle. Real pleasure to be here. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you'd like more information on face yoga or you'd like to become a face yoga teacher, just head to our website, faceyogaexpert.com for more information. If you'd like to do a regular structured daily face yoga program to get the best results, you can either use one of my apps, just search Danielle Collins on your app store, or you can use my book, just search Danielle Collins Face Yoga on Amazon. And thank you for joining me today. And I look forward to seeing you again next time.